Philippians chapter 3 and verse 14. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 14. I come to you this morning wishing you greetings from Point of Grace Church, and we're glad to be able to share our Master's Institute with you here on Sunday nights, and glad to see that so many folks are a part of that from Solid Rock Baptist Church. We love having you there. Hope that they're growing in the Lord. And the purpose of the Master's Institute, of course, is to help folks to develop into servants for Christ to minister to the church. And so we encourage you in the future, if you hear the announcements uh, the first of the year, classes are starting back up, I encourage you to participate in that. The bottom line is this. You and I have a calling from God. If you are here today, God has a plan for your personal life. Now, He's got a very specific plan, a very personal plan. You say, well, preacher, where do you get that from? If you go to Psalms 139 and read verses 14 through 17, you'll see that God Himself knit you together in your mother's womb and wrote a book about the days of your life. That's not just a soap opera wrote a book about the days of your life before you were ever even thought of by your parents. And in that book, he has a plan and a purpose for your life. It is not okay for a believer to simply come to worship and go home. God has called you to do something for him. In fact, it is so important that God has called you to do something for Him that is so specific that it won't get done the way it needs to get done unless you do it. God has a calling on your life. You say, well, preacher, I know that God calls ministers, and I know that God calls missionaries, and you know, I know that God has specific callings on individual lives. No, 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 no. God has a calling on your life. So this message this morning that we're going to look at has nothing to do with your neighbor. It has nothing to do with your husband, your wife, or your child. God has a word for you. He wants you to know this morning, I have a calling on your life. I've got something you need to do. So if you've got a pen or a pencil handy, I want you to write a sentence out. You've got a listening guide there in your bulletins. I want you to just write a sentence out, if you will, for me. And it goes something simply like this. If I could accomplish anything for Christ, I would what? If I could accomplish anything for Christ, if you, in your, in your wildest dreams, in your wildest imagination, if, you could, if nothing could stop you, if you could accomplish anything for Christ... What would you do? What are your future goals? What has God called you to do? Now, maybe perhaps this is new information for you. Maybe this is the first time you've ever heard of this. Maybe this is the first time this has ever crossed your mind that God has called me to do something. Maybe you're saying to yourself, well, I'm too young. Maybe you're saying I'm too old. Maybe you're saying, well, I've not been a Christian very long. 
Listen, God has a calling on your life. And furthermore, listen very carefully now, no matter what your goals are, no matter what God has called you to do, listen very carefully, if you will affirm in your heart and your mind this morning to listen and to heed the three principles that I'm going to share with you this morning, I'm going to guarantee you, I'm going to stand right here in this pulpit and guarantee you, if you will do these three principles that I'm giving to you this morning, if you will follow them faithfully, you will establish the ability, the foundation to accomplish your future goals and your future God-given goals with great success. I promise you that this morning. These are important principles. It's important for you and I to hear and to heed these principles. And you know why? Because life happens. Does anybody here understand that? Do you, do you understand that life happens? Anybody, anybody that things have just always gone just exactly according to plan, nothing has ever had any interruptions to life? Now, life happens, doesn't it? Things in life happen, and we get interrupted, and we get distracted, and difficulties come into our ways. And one person said, the question of life is not if we're going to have problems. The question in life is, what are you going to do with the problems you have? How are you going to handle them? So life happens, difficulties happen, so these principles are extremely important for you and I to listen to, to heed this morning. In our text, the Apostle Paul is writing a letter to encourage others. Now, Paul himself is in prison. He's awaiting to hear what is going to happen to him in his life, but he is encouraging those that he's writing to to continue on with their life. And the letter tells the people that he's writing to, he says that I have been called. Now, now picture this in your mind. Paul is in prison, and he is awaiting to hear what his sentence could be, and, and, and he is thinking more than likely this could be a death sentence. And Paul says in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 14, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul said, I've got a calling on my life. Even here in prison, it doesn't matter where I am, I'm going to stay faithful to continue the task that God has called me to, and I am going to accomplish the thing that God has set before me, I'm pressing on towards the prize of the high calling of God on my life. I wonder if you took a moment this morning and you thought for yourself, preacher, if God's got a calling on my life, this high calling on my life, what could it be? What could it be that God has called me to do? That's a very personal question. It's one that you need to ask Him. And one that you need to make yourself available, sensitive, open to receive the information on. God has not only called you to salvation, but He's called you to service. And He has gifted you through the Holy Spirit so that you can find a place of service. That you can impact the body of Christ in a magnificent manner. And with great spiritual success because of the Holy Spirit. And Paul says in his letter, just over one more chapter, in verse 13 of chapter 4, Paul says, let me tell you where I found my strength. I found the strength to do all that I did in Christ. For it is Christ who strengthens me. In Christ I can do all things because he is a strength. Now, Paul is not just telling the people in this letter of Philippians, he's not just telling the people what worked for him. This is very, very important. He's not just saying this is what worked for me. Paul is actually saying to the people of, of Philippi, do this because it'll work for you. 
This isn't just what worked for me. This is what you need to do because it'll work for you. As you look at your future today and you think about the plans and, and that you've got and you question, God, what is it that you've called me to do? And I want to just keep coming back to that question. I want to just keep hammering away at that question. I want you to just keep asking God this morning, God, what have you called me to do? What have you gifted me to do? God, where am I to serve you in your kingdom? God, what is it that you want that you have planned for me. As you think about the goals and the plans that you have, I want to encourage you to do what Paul did. I want to encourage you to look to Christ as your strength. Now, Christ strengthens us in a number of ways, but I need to give you a disclaimer before we go any farther. Are you ready? This is a disclaimer. This is very, very important. So that you can, so that you have the ability to hold me to my word, you need to hear this disclaimer. Are you ready? Christ is not every person's strength. Christ is not every person's strength. I'm going to tell you how he strengthens those to whom he is the strength in three ways. And at the end of the message, we're going to qualify you. Is Christ your strength? Can he be your strength? Let's look at them together. We look at one, two, three. Ready? Number one, Christ strengthens us through his image. Have you ever looked at somebody and thought to yourself, that's the, That's who I want to be. That's the kind of person I want to be. That's the, that's the type of individual I want to be. Christ is that kind of person for us. As we look to Christ, He is our source of strength. We, we look at Him and He strengthens us. Christ is the image of courage to us. I want you to understand that in Jesus' life, as you and I, we oftentimes think about Jesus, who is God the Son and the Son of God. We often think, well, Jesus had it easier than we do, but the Bible clarifies for us that's not true, that we have a high priest who's acquainted with all of our grief, acquainted with all of our struggles. He thirsted like we do. He gets tired like we do. He got hungry like we do. He got, he got frustrated like we do without sin, though. But he is acquainted with all the things that we are. He got tired like we do. All these things. But Jesus had many voices calling for his attention during his life. For example, the devil came to him before he ever started his earthly ministry and tempted him to abandon the cross and take an easier way out. The Jews wanted him to become a military king. They were in hopes that when the Messiah came that he would overthrow Rome, set up a military kingdom, and right here on earth that he would rule and reign supreme. The people wanted the gifts, the healing, the miracles of Jesus, but they didn't want the message of Christ. The disciples wanted Jesus to stay. Don't go to the cross. Don't go back to the Father. Stay with us forever. There are many voices that bid for our attention today. And I want you to be very clear this morning that only you can decide the voice that you're going to listen to. Sometimes the voices are, are appealing because they're popular to us. Well, this is a popular thing to do. This is the thing that will make me popular. Those voices tend to pull us away from God's plan. Sometimes the voice will be alluring because it's tempting to us. And so it'll be something that will, that will be appealing to us and to our senses. And so it pulls us this way or that way. Sometimes they will be competing and confusing. Like the teenage boy that went to the grocery store for his mom and he was going through puberty. And he walked in and he said to the clerk in his deepest voice, I need to find some flour. And just then his voice cracked and, he, and in a higher voice he said, and some corn. And the, the clerk looked at him and she said, you're both just going to have to calm down. I can't serve but one person at a time. Sometimes those voices are coming at us from all different directions. And ultimately each voice has to be weighed with this question in mind. Wait a minute. What has God called me to do? What has God give, gifted me to do? 
How am I supposed to be serving God with this choice? And with great courage, we see that Jesus only listened to one voice. He listened to the voice of his Father. He focused on what it is that God the Father had called him to do, and that's what he did, and he didn't do anything else. Christ is the image of courage for us. Christ is the image of character for us. We live in a day of undisciplined and unprincipled men and women. People do what people want to do. I've learned that in all the years of ministry. I've been in ministry over 30 years. In all the ministry years that I've been here, one thing has been taught to me over and over and over again, and I still struggle with it, and I still try to get myself to acknowledge, Bill, you can't change this. One thing is true. People do what people want to do. But the bottom line is that oftentimes people do whatever they think they've got to do to accomplish their goals or to accomplish their agendas or to get where they want to go or to, to make things happen the way they want them to happen. And so since our belief system determines our actions, you and I have to be very, very careful here. We've got to be anchored in the character of Christ. Do I live for Christ by allowing Christ's character to live through me? I think oftentimes that Christians get the Christian life confused. I think that sometimes that Christians think that we're supposed to be great actors, great imitators of Christ, that we're supposed to go around and study how did Jesus talk and how did Jesus walk and how did Jesus act. And we're supposed to try to do that. But that's not at all what the Christian life is. The Christian life is about me saying, Lord Jesus, live through me. Wear me like a suit. Speak through me. Love through me, minister through me, walk through me, serve through me. I am yours. Use me. It might be news to you this morning, but you were bought with a price. You're not your own anymore. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. You don't get to pick the plans any longer. Now, God, in His permissive will, He sometimes allows us to do that, but that's not our call. Our call is to say to Christ, when I chose Jesus to be my Savior, I believed in my heart, and I confessed with my mouth that He was Lord. I like what H.A. Arnside said one time, if Jesus is not Lord of all, He cannot be Lord at all. We like to make Him Lord on Sunday. Sometimes. We like to make him Lord over some areas of our life, but not over every area of our life, but he is Lord. And by the way, I just, I'm just one of those frank preachers. I'll just tell you the truth. Whether you make Jesus Lord or not doesn't mean that Jesus isn't Lord. Jesus is Lord no matter what. And as the song says, one day every tongue will confess and every knee will bow, and we will confess that he is Lord. We can either confess that He is Lord today or we can wait to that day. But one day, every tongue will confess that He is Lord. But whether I make Him Lord or not doesn't mean that He's not Lord. It just means He's not my Lord. But when I choose to make Him my Lord, I say to Him, You are Lord. You are Master. You make the decisions in my life. You are the character that lives through me. From an early age, we are taught things like, Lying and stealing and cheating are wrong. Yet, if you were to ask the average person in this room, I would wager to say that just about everybody in this room says, yep, I've done one of those or all of them. 
But at some point in time, you and I have got to come back and decide the direction of our life and the direction our life is going to take. This ultimately is your decision. That's the good news this morning. Ultimately, where you go is a result of the decisions you make. You are ultimately in charge of your own destination. And so we can decide whether or not we're going to be people of godly principles and character or whether we're going to be compromisers, testers of the winds of popularity. Going with the, the, the strongest current, it doesn't matter. Wherever you go, it is a result this morning of personal choices that we make. And so the roads of history are littered with broken lives of those who have chosen paths of compromise from politicians to preachers, we see wrecked lives caused by the slippery, slippery surface of his path. But listen to what the Word of God tells us. The Word of God tells us the person who chooses to build their life on righteousness is on sturdy ground. The psalmist declares the law of his God is in his heart and his feet do not slip. Jesus modeled great character for us. And his character was built on the word of God. You say, how do you know that? Because when the devil came and offered him compromise, what did Jesus do? He quoted the word of God. When people clamored for a king, what did Jesus do? He preached the kingdom of God. When the people rejected his message, what did he do? He stayed the course and he committed to preach. When the disciples didn't want to let him go, what did Jesus do? He followed God's direction and not man's desires. Jesus was able to take these stands and was able to continue his course because his character was established and founded upon the Word of God, and more importantly, God's Word was in his heart. I hear people all the time say, you know, you ought to be in the Word of God daily. Can I give you a more important principle? You ought to be getting the Word of God into you daily. You and I need to be putting the Word of God into us. Isn't that what the psalmist said? <clears throat> I've hid thy word in my heart that I might not what? Sin against you and so sometimes in life it's not the struggle for you and I to determine what are our goals sometimes it's not the struggle to determine what has God called me to do sometimes the struggle is really about wrestling with the means of which I'm going to use to accomplish those things and so we need to turn to Jesus we need to look to him as our strength for character will I be a person of character or will I be a person of compromise? Will I answer the call of God upon my life and be obedient? Or will I choose to do my own thing? Abraham Lincoln was a person and a president of integrity and character. He always had an advantage over the opponents because of his reputation for honesty. There were people who didn't like him, and there were people who didn't agree with him. But the one thing they couldn't argue about was his integrity. In fact, the people of Abraham Lincoln's day called him Honest Abe. Abraham Lincoln said this one time, he said, when I lay down the reins of this administration, I want to have one friend left, and that friend lives inside of me. Proverbs 10, verse 9 tells us, the man of integrity walks securely, but he who takes crooked paths will be found out. Today, I want to encourage you to do something. I want to encourage you not only to identify, God, what have you called me to do? What is the calling that you've put on my life? What is the task at hand for me? God, what are the future goals that you've got for me? The Bible hides no, no, uh, no, it pulls no punches here. God tells us, I know the thoughts that I have towards you. It's amazing to me to think that the God of all of this creation 
takes time to think of me. And he thinks of you. And he has plans for you and thoughts towards you. What has God called you to do? Let me encourage you to find your strength in the image of Christ, courage and character, and model the establishing and the reaching of your future goals on his image as you reach out and stretch out to do what God has called you to do. Look secondly with me. First of all, Christ strengthens us through his image. Secondly, Christ strengthens us through his inspiration. If we want to be like Christ, we got to know what inspired Christ, and, and, and we got to make that our inspiration as well. Job 22 and verse 21 instructs us, acquaint ourselves with the Lord. This means to come to know him, who he is, and what he's all about. The one thing that inspired Jesus, and this may surprise you, but the one thing that inspired Jesus, no matter what the difficulty was he's experiencing in his life, was his intimate knowledge of God his Father. This is why he spent so much time with the Father in prayer. As you and I attempt to set the course for our life, as you and I attempt to, to find our future plans and our future goals and identify and line ourselves up with that which God has called us to do, as we do this, we've got to ask ourselves, God, what have you called me to do? I know what I want to do. What have you called me to do? Lord, what is, what is to be my lifetime goals? Lord, what do I want to accomplish in the next three months for you? A real goal ought to be something that stretches us. It ought, to, it ought to make us reach further than we can see. Jonathan Swift said this about vision. He said, vision is the art of seeing the invisible. If you want to achieve, achieve your future goals, it's not enough for you and I just to have goals. We've got to be clear, focused in our mind. What are our goals? And then we've got to make a plan to accomplish those goals. And then we've got to work the plan. We've got to sit down and clearly identify, God, what have you called me to do? Okay, well, if this is what you called me to do, what's it going to take to get that done? Well, this is the plan. Now I've got to go do that plan. We've got to work the plan. This is the only way that you and I can bring the future into the present. Jesus had a very clear vision of what the Father had called him to accomplish. This is what he said. He said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Because Jesus had a very clear vision and a very clear understanding of what God the Father had called him to do, he went about making plans and working that plan according to the Father's will to accomplish those goals. Now, don't get, don't get me wrong. You and I are not much different from Jesus because many things tried to interfere with Jesus getting done what God called him to do. But the problem is this. Jesus was far less concerned with what men were interested in and, what, and he was more interested in what the Father was interested in. Listen, Jesus had this clear vision. He wanted to know, Father, what are your plans? And so what did he do? He spent a great deal of time in prayer. When, when handling time demands got the best of Jesus, what did he do? He found inspiration in prayer. When handling physical demands got in the way, Christ 
went and found inspiration in prayer. When handling uh, uh, emotional demands, what did Christ do? He found inspiration in prayer. When, when handling spiritual demands got in the way, what did Christ do? He found inspiration in prayer. Where are you going to find what God has for you? Where are you going to find the courage to stay the course? Where are you going to find the instruction that leads you to the next step to accomplishing that which God has called you to do? Only as you spend time with your Father in prayer. You see, ultimately, Jesus did go to the cross, and there he died a horrible death for you and I, accomplishing his goal and becoming our ransom. Jesus handled the, these distractions and stayed determined to this enormous task. He did it through prayer. You've got to ask yourself this morning. I, I, I constantly, as a pastor, am asking myself this question. Why don't more Christians accomplish more for Christ than they do? And I've come to this conclusion. I've come to the conclusion that many Christians live their daily Christian life much like Alice in Wonderland. You remember Alice in Wonderland, right? You remember when she asked the Cheshire cat, she said, Tell me, sir, what direction do I take next? And the cat said, Well, that depends. Where are you going? She said, well, I don't much care. He said, then it doesn't much matter. And I think there's a lot of believers out there living their Christian life just that way. Day to day, we get up and we're just walking through life. We don't really know where we're going. We don't really care where we're going. We're just walking through life. We're just trying to be the best Christian we can be. But is that what God has called you to do? Certainly not. He knows you by name. He knows where you are. He has wrote a book about your life. He has a plan for you. He has a high calling on your life. And so every day we ought to get up, and the question is not that for, for us to say, you know, I don't much care which direction I'm going. The question every morning ought to be, Holy Spirit, lead me, guide me, direct me. So the only path that I take today is the path that will lead me to accomplishing the thing that God has called me to do. What has God called you to do? Jesus was inspired by his intimate relationship with God the Father. He turned to him often in prayer. What has the Father called you to do? Let me just give you good news this morning. The only thing beyond your ability to accomplish for God. Are you ready for this? Then we say one more time. The only thing beyond your ability to accomplish for God is this. That which God did not call you to do. The only thing beyond your ability to accomplish is that thing which God did not call you to do. For that which He's called you to do. He has given you the equipment and the power to do. The measure of your success will not be based on what you accomplish through your power, but what you accomplish as you allow the power of the Holy Spirit to bring the very character and nature of Christ alive in you and accomplishing that which God has called you to do. So turn to Christ as your source of strength. Be inspired by what inspired Him, an intimate relationship with your Father. This is what kept Jesus in constant communication with God through prayer and direction, of course. Listen, Christ will strengthen us through His image. Christ will strengthen those that He can through His inspiration. But number three, and finally, Christ strengthens us through 
his initiative. What was driving him ought to drive us. Jesus had one initiative to complete all the Father had sent him to do. He didn't give in. Even though oftentimes the task at hand seemed to be more than what he could handle, he met with resistance from the very crowd that should have understood him. He met with rejection from the very people he came to save. He met with, rest- with retreat from the very people who should have never left his side. But he never gave in. He never gave up. And even though following through meant that he would meet his death, he pressed on and accomplished the goal. The bottom line is that difficulties are going to come into our life. One person said that a Christian life is not a leisurely cruise on the love boat. In fact, the Christian life is more like active duty on a battleship. Well, that's true. But difficulties also play a very important part in our life. You and I, oftentimes, when we see difficulties come, the first thing we say is, Oh, God, get me out of this. And God says to us, Wait, there's something I want you to get out of this. I didn't bring you to a thing to not bring you through a thing. I brought you to a thing so that coming through a thing, you can come back to somebody else that may be going through a thing. You see, we never encounter the things that we go through for ourselves. God is always preparing us for what He's preparing us for. And so when you and I look at difficulties, difficulties play an important part in our life, and they help develop the qualities in us that later rise up to, be, to, to help us accomplish greater achievements in the future to be better equipped for the things that we're going to face. In fact, James tells us this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials, many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must do its work. He says to us that perseverance, when it's finished, will make you mature and complete and lacking in nothing. You and I are going to face some difficult some difficulties in our life. Let's be honest. Some of the difficulties we're going to face in our life are our own mistakes. They're a result of our own choices. One person said, if I could live life over, I would make mistakes earlier because they've proven to be great teachers to me. Let me just say to you this morning that we should not be so arrogant or ignorant as to say, let me make my own mistakes. Believe me, you're going to. You're going to make your own mistakes, but be smart enough to learn from the mistakes of others so you can grow and, and mature. Peter Drucker said this. He said, look, you ought not to fear life or go through life fearing that you're going to make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes. But Peter Drucker, known as the father of American management, said this. The better a man is, the more mistakes he will make for the more new things he will try. I never promote a man to a top-level job who isn't making mistakes because a man who isn't making mistakes is just mediocre. We're all going to have difficulties in life. We're all going to have struggles. We're all going to attempt to live for Christ and answer the call of God in our life, and we're all going to mess that up at some point or another and fall down and have struggles and difficulties in our life. But don't let that cause you to give up or give in. Rather, use these things to drive you forward and fuel you to accomplish that which God has called you to do. Learn from them. When difficulties come to you, turn to Christ for strength. 
seeing that his initiative drove him and it can drive you to undetermined and undeterred and determination to accomplish what God has set for you. Listen, what drove Jesus? What was the initiative that kept Jesus on course? What would make Jesus come from heaven to earth and live the life that he lived and die the death that he did? What would do that? Here's what Jesus, what the Hebrews says it was. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What is it for you? What is it for you? What are the goals that God has given you? What has God called you to do? I promise you today, if you'll commit to hear and to take heed to these three principles, if you will listen with all your heart and establish this is the foundation for moving forward with God in your Christian life and accomplishing that which God has called you to, to do, you will have success in accomplishing the future goals that God has given to you. Let Christ be your strength through His image to be all that God has called you to be. Let Christ be your strength of inspiration, making your intimate relationship with God the Father the inspiration that directs your path. Let Christ strengthen you as His initiative by letting God who has called you to accomplish be the, uh, be the whatever God has called you to accomplish be that driving force that keeps you on track. Now, as I promised in the beginning, I'm going to complete in the end. I said to you, Christ is our strength, but He is not the strength for everyone. Why not? Why isn't Christ everyone's strength? Because in order for Christ to be your strength, you must be in Christ. 